Uh, it's good to have you back with us. The heading towards the middle part of uh, April, or I guess we're deep into the first week of uh, April. But uh, nonetheless, we're about three weeks away from the NFL draft. So let's get right into it alongside Hayes Carline. I am Rick Ballew. We love to call this Death Taxes and Duval. Hayes, first things first, say hello to our sponsor. Yeah, I will. And, Rick, I want to welcome you back. Uh, but uh, John Spicklemeyer is our good friend, uh, Spicklemeyer Insurance Agency. Give him a call at 471-7155. Uh, John is celebrating his birthday this week, so happy birthday, John. Uh, he's the best guy around when it comes to car insurance because he's going he's gonna to do one of two things. You're going to call him. You're going to give him your information. He's either he's going to look at your policy as, as you currently have it and say, I can't beat this. Keep it. You got a good policy. Or he's going to be able to save you some money. You got nothing to lose. Give John Spicklemeyer a call. 471-7155. Spicklemeyer Insurance Agency. Happy birthday, John. And uh, Rick, good to have you back, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's been a tough couple of weeks, but uh, said goodbye to my mom. and She's in a better place. So getting ready now to get back into the... Uh, normal role of things both here on the uh, podcast as well as my regular show um it feels like jacksonville this year as expected really haven't done much uh, during free agency kind of patchwork if you will that included the return of josh wells yesterday could be a swing guy at offensive tackle and you know i'm going to stay steadfast with that i i want jacksonville to address offensive line in the first round. Do you think anything they've done, the, the Camp Fleming rumors, the signing of Josh Wells, the uh, you know bringing back of Cole Van Lannan, and they had another signing today, do you think that changes anything with the draft? I, I really don't think it does. And, and this is what GMs do, and uh, some are savvy and some are not. I, I would say that in this case, because the uh, Jaguars are, are so – limited on their cap space the two moves that they've made this week in terms of wells and brewer it's a uh, it's i think trent balky's trying to disguise the need there and keep the other 31 guessing on what the jaguars might be interested in in the draft but neither one of these two moves changes uh the the need i mean it, it if they want to go offensive tackle at 24 if the right player is there they absolutely can still do that josh wells is at best a swing tackle and I think he's a average one at that. And uh, and the Brewer kid that they just signed today, I'm not sure he'll make the team. I'm not sure Josh Wells will make the team if they draft an offensive tackle in the first or second round. But because um, none of these contracts are going to come in uh, to a point where it's going to be, oh, you're definitely on the team kind of money. Uh, it's going to be very much what we saw with uh, Michael Dogby, uh, the other uh, defensive lineman, Henry uh, Mondo, that they signed. Very little money. Um, could certainly move on from them if you're not pleased with what they show you in training camp. And that's what this these two offensive line moves are. So uh, I think offensive line still very much in play, uh, w- either with that 24th or with that 56th pick. Yeah, you know, really, I guess a perfect case scenario for Josh Wells is, is honestly that he, he never sees the field. He's right. C.J. Beathard, that, um, you know, there is health with Cam Robinson and, uh, Walker Little wins that right tackle job, and if not, they draft someone who is able to battle him and perhaps take that job away. I had to be one of those as well, Hayes, who, you know, was looking ahead, and, you know, you think back $17,750,000 in a year and only lose 5000 the dead cap if it doesn't work out for Cam Robinson. So, you know, I believe that, you know, you look at this team and all the 
uh, all the great uh, press that they're receiving. Uh, can you plug in those two this year? But in a season, it'd be the final year for Little. And again, I'm kind of under the belief right now, if I had to make the decision, that Cam Robinson will not be a part of this team in 2024. You have a top five quarterback in the league who's only going to be 23 until October. He's getting better and better. You must protect your franchise. Hopefully a quarterback who's going to be here for another 10-plus season. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and again, the Cam Robinson thing is really interesting because of their choice to not restructure him. And again, the player doesn't have to give his approval on that for a simple restructure, and that's the nature of the restructures the Jaguars have done. To your point, his cap hit this year is $22.1 million. Uh, it, it stands to reason you would want to lower that. I mean, the next highest is Darius Williams at 12.5. Just to give you an idea uh, of how extreme the difference is from the first guy to the second guy. Now, that's common with teams if the quarterback's been paid, but it's not so common when the left tackle is the is the first guy. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's very clear as to why they're not doing it. I think it they want to have the clean out uh, if Cam Robinson doesn't play well this year or if he is unavailable for a big stretch of it. His cap hit in, uh, in 2024 uh, is, is high. They can save almost $18 million by releasing him. Uh, I think that's why they haven't done it. Because they could have restructured Cam Robinson and created another $10 million. I mean, it, it, so they, they elected not to do it. I think it was smart not to do it. Uh, you know, but it, it certainly, I think, puts a lot of pressure on Cam Robinson. And, and so, as, as we've discussed... What are you doing at offensive tackle? What is the future of that position? Because you you are right about Walker Little as well. You're now getting to a point where he's going into year three. So what if you know what if with Walker Little you end up in a Jawan Taylor situation where he ends up playing great? Maybe he's okay this year, great in his fourth year, and now it's like, are, can you really count that you're going to have Walker Little? Because that could go one of two ways. That could go, Walker Little's not very good, and so he has to be replaced, so it's a good thing you drafted an offensive tackle at, at 24. It could also go the other way of, he's really good, and now you've got to either pay him or see uh, the same thing that you saw with Juwan Taylor happen, where Walker Little moves on to greener pastures with a, a whole lot of money. Yeah. yeah. Not only privately, but I've said it publicly you know, how much of a football guy really is Shad Khan? We, we know he's a phenomenal businessman, and obviously he's a very intelligent guy, but I've always wondered about his inner circle. I thought his interview this past week, um, it, at least in my mind, showed me that he knows more football than either he used to or he knows more football than I thought he used to. It's, it's one of the two. I, I, I just loved basically you know everything he had to say about re-signing his own players is, uh, is now a, a pleasant problem. That's what the good, good organizations do. And, and to be able to have that nucleus up top with Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence, I mean, let's be honest. Shaw doesn't speak a lot, but maybe twice, possibly three times a year. I got a little bit of a different feeling from the Jaguars' owners after his last sit-down with John Osher. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I you know, Shad went so far as to say they've cracked the code, and and I think you know, in large part, I think they have just by dumb luck. I mean, they cracked the code because they were the worst team in the league the year that Trevor Lawrence was in the draft. I mean, I you know, that this didn't take uh, you know Matthew Broderick in war games to to crack this code. It it basically was you know you were the most inept team at the right time, and and. God bless them for it. You know, thank God, because uh, it did deliver Trevor Lawrence, which is, you know, 70% of the battle. And then, you know, in terms of having an organization running in the right direction, they got it right on head coach. It certainly appears, and I'd be surprised if if Doug Peterson, you know, doesn't work out long-term for the Jaguars. So, you know, you've cracked the code. Is is Trent Baalke a great GM? I don't know. I mean, I, I think that he's done some good things. If the Calvin Ridley thing is a huge success, that'll be a big feather in his cap. There's still executives around the league that are still kind of an, almost uh, in some sort of awe that Baalke was able to pull that off, uh, you know, at the timing in which he did and for such a low cost. But again, we have to see Ridley perform for the Jaguars before we can start, you know, throwing parades there. Trevor Lawrence is why they've cracked the code. And and now Doug Peterson accentuates that. And, yeah, it's very exciting. And, and they've got a roster that's built to win uh, and built to win long term. They're going to have to say goodbye to some of these veterans, but they'll always have Trevor Lawrence. And as long as they have Trevor Lawrence and he continues to improve, they should always be in the hunt for the division title. All right. The point now for Jacksonville is that they've put a lot of pressure on their draft, and they have to hit now, not only in the first round, but they have to hit all the way through the drafts and uh, draft this year and all three days and, and hopefully get themselves uh, three or four guys that you can look at who eventually become starters on this football team. We're about three weeks out. Uh, what do you make of this? Not a lot done in free agency, as again, it was expected. All sorts of rumors, everything from offensive line to tight end to anywhere on the defensive line to a you know the branch kid out of Bama kind of a nickel and a safety to another corner what do you believe 21 days out I believe it's a trenches pick you know I, I think it, it it's it's going to be I, I really don't buy the they're going to take a tight end uh, McShay had them taking Kincaid uh, in the first round of, of his mock. To me, that's too much of a luxury pick for where this team is right now. Uh, they've got to figure out how to replace the defensive snaps that they had from Arden Key and Dewan Smoot. And that's over 900 defensive snaps. And I'd say good snaps. I mean, when Key's on the field, when Smoot was on the field, I felt good about that lineup. You've got to replace that. Key's obviously a Titan, and uh, Dewan Smoot is still unemployed as of now. So that, to me, is their biggest issue. Everything else, even at offensive tackle, to me, the offensive tackle pick is more looking at the future uh, than it is looking in the present because if Cam Robinson and Walker Little are, health, are healthy, I think they're okay. Uh, but at edge rusher, I mean, you know Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen are not going to play every snap. So what is your answer there? And right now, your only in-house option is Caleb on Chase on, Jordan Smith, uh, who we're not even sure can walk and chew gum at the same time yet. I mean, that's not his fault, but he's been hurt, so we, we've seen nothing of him. Uh, it's just, and we we've obviously seen a good a bit of chase on. Hard to imagine they have an in-house option. So I have to think that if there is an edge player that is even remotely near where they feel like the twenty-fourth best player in the draft is, that that, that that's got that's got to be the leader in the clubhouse, followed closely with offensive tackle. I, I'd be really surprised if you don't see uh, a pass rush pick at twenty-four. 
an offensive tackle pick at 56. Maybe those are reversed, but I I think that's almost got to be how they open the draft in the first and second round. Rick, what about you? Yeah, you know, I want to go offensive line. I really do. I understand your point. I mean, outside of left guard, I I think really the only positions where you could plug a guy in, and even if they're not considered starters, they're going to get a lot of reps. Everything you just mentioned there off the edge, the other would be, you know, your starter in a nickel. And, you know, Jacksonville's basically in that set defense about 60% of the time. I was disappointed in the Calais Campbell decision only because, you know, I think we built him up to be something almost superhuman, that he's the greatest human being on this planet, and he is. But for him to come out and say he went to Atlanta because it gives him the best opportunity uh, to be – uh, you know, effective both on and off the field, and he expects to play until late January and February. To me, that sends a simple message. He went because of the money, the guaranteed seven mil and a chance to make nine, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, man, it's one last, one last money grab, and you can live the rest of your life off that type of cash. But I, I just wish he was honest about it, Hayes. I mean, again, we, we kind of looked at him a little bit differently. And at the age of 36, I thought it would have been here, if not maybe Buffalo hop on that train with Aaron Rodgers in New York, certainly not go to Atlanta. I mean, that's a, that's a bottom theater. And who knows? Maybe they make a move here for Lamar Jackson. But I was disappointed with that. I'm going to stay with the offensive line. You know, if they get the kid out of Florida at left guard, I'm happy with it because it, it fills one of two spots that could open up in the immediate future. I would like to get the best tackle available. But then I'm with you. Even though Jacksonville was, what, 28th in the NFL in pass defense, they were, what, 25th in sacks. They only hit 35. Next Gen told us that they were really good in pressures. I think they were second in the league. But that's kind of like morning track power, right? You need a guy to clear the fence and hit three-run bombs, not, not just the second out of the inning uh, back to the track. And that's what Jacksonville did last year. So I'd have no problem with that. Offensive line right out of the gate to try to get someone off the edge in round two. Yeah, I think so, and and I agree on your point on Calais. I, I really thought that would be a ring-chase decision for a guy that's never hoisted the Lombardi trophy. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, unless Atlanta does something really bold, which it doesn't seem like they're going to do, they've certainly talked up Desmond Ritter more than they needed to. Uh, you know, I mean, if Lamar Jackson were to show up in Atlanta, yeah, okay, they've got a chance. I mean, in a bad NFC uh, Atlanta would have a chance. They're in a bad NFC South, and they're in a bad NFC in general. I mean, the best you've got Philadelphia, who's great. You've got San Francisco, who should be great, but quarterback is a question mark. Uh, you've got a fading Packers. Um, we'll see, you know, what Dallas and the Giants can do, but it's certainly more of a of a path to the Super Bowl in the NFC than the AFC. So if they got Lamar Jackson, but Calais obviously has no idea that that, I mean, he obviously made the decision for what you're saying. They were willing to go to, I think he's going to make the $9 million. My guess is when we see the incentives, they're incredibly easy to get. Uh, it's, you know, would be my guess. He's getting $9 million. I, I think every other club that probably is in contention for the Super Bowl, and I'm including the Jaguars in that, were probably willing to go four or five, you know, in the first year, yeah. something like that. So uh, good for him. He's getting basically double it. But, yeah, don't sell us on Atlanta as a contender. Uh, you're, you're going to get the paycheck, which is fine. Uh, you know, uh, more power to you. I just was surprised because I always thought that winning would have trumped it at this point in Calais Campbell's career. I mean, he's made, you know, again, I'm never going to tell somebody don't go make money. 
But Calais Campbell has made a lot of money playing football in the NFL, and even if it wasn't to come to Jacksonville, I'm surprised that he went to a team that I would say as of now is probably in the 20s if you looked at most yeah. power polls. No doubt. Yeah, he, that, that was the that was the last thing. I mean, if, if New York gets Rodgers, and we know about Buffalo, and certainly Jacksonville is, is absolutely on the come. I mean, those three, <clears throat> there is a chance. I, I just don't see one right now uh, in Atlanta. Uh, you know, maybe next week when we get more into the draft, we can just kind of dive into – uh, it's getting crazy here what Indy, Houston, and Tennessee yeah. is going to do at quarterback because I, I think we're going to have more maneuvering and, and trades. And, and I, I don't think it's the NBA where these first-round picks are basically useless, but I expect a lot of movement coming up here on uh, on three Thursdays. In, in, the, uh, in the time being, um, you know, do you expect anything? Uh, could they restructure Agnew? Could they restructure Jenkins? Or the, the point now where we just talked about Cam, where you don't want to overdo it as far as restructuring, because you're going to have to pay somewhat in the back end. Do, do you think they're done with that? I think they probably are done with it for now, because I think they've probably cleared what they need to clear for what they still want to do, which is basically at this point just sign an edge rusher. I mean, that's it. And and there's so many available. Uh, you know, Mike Clay does a really good job of keeping up with kind of a, a free agency cheat sheet in terms of who's available. And an edge rusher, just going down his list, you've got Leonard Floyd, J.D. Uh, J, well, why am I having trouble saying this? Uh, Clowney, uh, Kyle Van Noy, Frank Clark, Marcus Golden, Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram, Ngakwe, Bud Dupree, Smoot, as we talked about, Carlos Dunlap, uh, JPP. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many guys out there. I think they're basically going to hang tight, let the draft you know, play out, let the comp pick formula expire, and then, uh, and then they'll start looking at that. But short of that, I think... They pretty much have the team. I mean, I don't think they're going to do anything else on the offensive line. And, again, the guys that they've signed, Wells and uh, 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 Brewer, uh, those guys aren't really going to affect their salary cap space because, uh, again, they're only counting the top 51. So, you know, right. w- once you get beyond that, it doesn't really matter. So I'd, I'd be surprised if those guys are coming in, you know, ridiculously higher than 940 grand, which is the cutoff right now for the Jaguars. So, uh, you know, in, in terms of – cap space, nothing that they've done with these recent uh, moves is going to change any of that. It's going to be when they go and, and offer that one-year, $4 million Arden Key kind of deal to one of these guys to get them in here. But short of that, I think the Hay's kind of in the barn in terms of the free agency. Uh, anything that, that you could see popping up? No, I mean, that's the position, and, and you mentioned it. There's really a lot of guys. Some are tweeners, more outside of linebackers, but I mean, Frank Clark didn't have a great year, but he's a beast in the playoffs. And, you know, for him, is it, I wouldn't be surprised for him since he's won. If a team offers him an extra mil, he's, he's probably going to go where he can get the most cash. I'd love to have him here. Some others, maybe it's what we said that we figured was the deal for Calais Campbell, but it wasn't. And it's pointed out with Artie and Key and also Evan Ingram, a year ago, Trent Bulky is able to put together some nice one-year contracts, and that's exactly what they need at that particular position. So, yeah, I tend to agree with you. Let's see what happens at the draft, and wouldn't be surprised if that's the direction we end up going uh, post-draft to try to get at least one more guy on that defensive line. And, of course, the communication is still there with Dewan Smoot, but it, it just hey, – listen, James Robinson was better than, than – uh, you know, I thought he was better than they did. 
And obviously his return from the Achilles was problematic. It's the same injury for Dewan Smoot, and he's about, what, five or six years older right. than James Robinson. So I don't know if you can honestly bank on, on anything as far as as that is concerned. But, uh, hey, we'll keep you in the know, and we'll do it each and every day. My name's Rick Ballou. I'm with you from 6 till 8 right here in the home of the Jags. Hayes Carline is with you from 3 till 6. You can reach me by going to Ballou1010XL on Twitter. How about you, Hayes? Yeah, please reach out at Hayes Carlion and want to thank our sponsor again, John Spicklemeyer, Spicklemeyer Insurance Agency, 471-7155. Make sure you're not spending too much on your car insurance. We all have to have this. We all want to be paying the most you know, affordable, most efficient price. Have them look at your policy. Give them a call. It's not going to cost you anything. Uh, 471-7155. And once again, happy birthday, John.